Good day, friends. Welcome to Our Power is Within. I'm your host, Chasmith, aka Just Chas, and I am on a mission to inspire people to take their power back, to realize that each and every one of us has a healer within our own self. When we can create an environment that supports healing and get out of our own way, we are truly capable of healing in mind, body, and soul. Will you continue to help me spread this message so that we can inspire even more people in this coming year? Several ways that you can help support this podcast and spread the message of empowerment, healing, and possibility are taking a moment to leave a five-star rating and a quick review on Apple Podcast, share your favorite episode with a friend, or on your social media and tag me at Our Power Is Within. And as always, click subscribe so that you have the latest episode waiting for you every week on Tuesday mornings. So this week's challenge is actually inspired by the topic of this week's episode, the power of rest. This week, I'm going to ask you to rest with me. Can you in some way schedule rest into your day, even into your calendar? How could you support yourself to rest more often in ways that you need? The rest challenge is to simply be, by the by the way, like breathing, orienting, gazing, stillness, presence. Um, and it can be large chunks of time integrated into your day, or perhaps it can be small bouts of time integrated several times throughout your day. To give you an example, my commitment to myself is to rest for five minutes minimum between every activity shift. So if I start my day walking my dog and I get home and I decide I want to start my podcast editing, what I would do is take a few minutes of stillness first to get grounded before beginning the edits. Let's say that I get done editing and it's gonna it's almost time to cook lunch. I will probably go in my room for 10 minutes by myself and do focused breath work before popping into the kitchen and beginning to cook. Does that make sense? So I'm not saying that's what you have to do. That's just what I'm doing. And that's an example to help you start to think about what would support you the best. And just as a reminder, um, and you will hear this in today's episode, but the rest time is encouraged to be void of Instagram scrolling, TV watching, or the likes of anything that will cause more stimulation. Because even if we're laying down and we feel like we're resting our body, the mind is still being extremely activated. So it's really not actually restful. So um, remember also that rest is productive. Rest is good enough, and you are worthy of resting adequately for your well-being. With that said, today's guest, Sarah DeKille, she is coming back for round two. Um, I had such a pleasure chatting with Sarah on the first round that she was uh, on the podcast, and if you guys didn't get a chance to check out the first episode with Sarah, it was episode number 39, and I really encourage you to go back and check that out because she's a beautiful soul, and I really loved our first chat, hence why she's back for round two. Um, today, 
she's going to be sharing with us valuable insight into the power of rest, something that she often sees as a highly undervalued or missing component in her clients' healing journeys. Um, Make sure that you check out the links in the show notes to connect with Sarah and especially follow along with her on her Instagram account because she's a wonderful artist and I love watching all her beautiful artwork. Uh, She's also a coach, a mental health social worker, an art therapist, and so much more. And most recently, she's actually become a podcast host for her own podcast. Um, And you will find a link to that in the show notes as well. Um... In her podcast, she's answering common questions that she receives amongst clients, and I believe the content um, has something for everyone, so check it out and support her. So um, let's go ahead, get started, dive deep into the power of rest, and enjoy today's episode. All right, Sarah, thank you so much for being here with me on my podcast for... um, all of the listeners, this is round two, and it's so fun to have you back on for a second conversation in my second season. The first conversation we had together was absolutely wonderful, and I still um, I still think of a lot of the little tidbits that I learned in that discussion, so I'm excited to have you back. It's so good to be back, Shaz. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Yes, absolutely. And so for everyone listening... Um, Today, I know that what we're going to really dive into is this concept of rest and the power of rest, correct? Yes, that's right. (laughs) And (laughs) this is something that right now is heavy on your heart and something that you feel called to share with people. I do, you know, and it's definitely something that I have had um, a kind of up and down relationship with for many, many years. And so it's becoming even more important for me in my own life. And I see how important it is, you know, in the lives of the people that I work with, just in terms of, you know, the effects that it has on their health, on their relationships, on pretty much everything they do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I know that I can speak from firsthand experience and you might relate or at least have clients that, you know, you can relate this to. Um, It's especially important, I realize, uh, when you've experienced chronic pain or chronic illness for, you know, a reasonable amount of time, and then you start to feel better, that excitement and enthusiasm level can really kick in. And you can, when you finally feel like you're getting your vitality back, it can be really um, hard to still craft, create, and carve time out for rest because you get so excited about all these things you want to do that you didn't get to do while you were sick or in pain. And so it's like, I know I went through that, especially when I first just moved a few months ago, that that excitement and enthusiasm of the new move and the new area and all the things I wanted to do. And I went full force into it, like thinking I was superwoman and um, life had a way of kind of kicking me back and saying, Hey, Hey, you forgot something that's really crucial. Didn't you learn anything in all of this? (laughs) (laughs) Like if you're not going to do this for yourself, we're going to make you do it. And uh, I don't know about you, but I would rather just like be proactive and make myself mm-hmm. rather not I don't even want to say make myself but I'd rather choose rest than be forced into it so 
Exactly. And that's what it's all about. I mean, I completely relate. I've had several incidents in my own life where I've been literally forced into rest. And it's never been pleasant because it's been, you know, um, at a point where I've reached either a rock bottom or um, an injury or, you know, just literally my body saying enough's enough, you know, something, something just not um, working out anymore. And, and I was forced into rest and it doesn't have to be like that. You know, Mm -hmm. if we can just understand the, you know, the importance of rest and what it actually entails, then we will include it into our schedule, just as we're including everything else in our schedule, you know, just as you make time to exercise, just as you make time to sleep, just as you make time to eat, we need to do the same thing with rest. This is so true. And yet we do live in a culture and a society that often overlooks this. And it kind of, you know, I know we kind of do come from, in a sense, a different culture, but there's similarities, but maybe it's different there. Um, But yeah, it's like sometimes it's almost like you're looked down upon, you know, because we thrive and look uh, up to like productivity. And so mm-hmm. it's always about how productive am I? What am I accomplishing? How much did I get done today? Oh, like that, you know, even the bragging rights of, oh, I only got five hours of sleep. And rest is like another one of those things that people have a really hard time to grasp and understand that rest is being productive. Like rest is a form of productivity and, um, and just as important. And yet it's often overlooked or undervalued in our culture. Absolutely. I mean, it's all about achievement and productivity, as you say, and just go, 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 you know, um, we reward that. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's the same thing over here. I know I'm in Australia, but we have a very similar culture in that um, we reward people who do a lot. We reward people who self-sacrifice. We reward people who um, push themselves and, you know, uh, beyond their limits. It's almost like it's, you know, it's it's all about how... um, how much you can do, how much you can produce, what you can achieve. And our sense of self, the identity um, that we take on and how we see ourselves is always based around these external things. You know, how much I've done in a day, what I've accomplished, um, how I'm, you know, uh, perceived based on, I guess, my, my achievements. And so yeah, we place a lot of value on this. And even, you know, just in uh, day-to-day conversations, it's based, you know, people always ask each other, oh, what did you achieve today? Or how was you, you know, what did you accomplish today? It's kind of, um, it's seen as a really good thing because, you know, you are more worthy, you know, when you achieve more if that makes sense. Yeah, right. And it's so funny if you actually say, well, you know what, today, I really took care of myself. And I gave myself some really honest rest. And people are like, well, what? (laughs) You know, I think more people in our community that have gone through chronic pain or chronic illness, they have a different grasp and understanding of it. But when you're communicating almost with anyone in the outside world that hasn't really already been kicked down or knocked on their butt or reached that rock bottom, it's like really hard for them to grasp, which makes 
it sometimes makes um, interacting a little bit challenging. <laughs> yeah, you yeah, know? I hear you. I mean, we see rest as laziness, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Because for a lot of people, it just isn't even a part of their lives, not on a regular basis. And it's not necessarily always genuine rest either. Uh, we're so focused again, you know, on the striving and never stopping because we think that if I stop, then I'm quitting. If I stop, I'm being lazy. And there's no truth to that. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, and again, just to reiterate, it's just like even even people in our community, it can be a balance. Like I've like I've said, I've personally gone through the challenge and you you said you have a the ebb and flow of I know it's important and I want to do it, but then I still somehow neglect it often. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm by no means, you know, I haven't mastered this. I don't believe in, you know, believe in mastering anything. In fact, I think it's all a practice. And um, for me, it's just about bringing more awareness to it so that you can become um, a conscious creator of what you experience in your life. And the only way we can do that is by increasing our awareness of what we're doing and the things, you know, letting go of the things that no longer serve us because there are certain habits um, that we've taken on automatically based on our culture, the way that culture on a global scale promotes these behaviors that is just no longer serving us. Because if you look at it, you know, chronic pain-related issues are just on the rise. Stress-related issues are just on the rise. None of that is actually reducing, even though we've got, you know, more information, more tech, you know, technology or whatever you call it, we've got access to more of everything, um, even medical interventions. But yet people are, the health issues are increasing. They're on the rise as opposed mm. to being the opposite the other way around. Right. Yeah. So what, what makes rest so important for everyone listening? Because we're talking about how important it is and why, if there's anyone out there that's like, well, why is it important? So yes, let's talk about that. It's pretty much a vital um, component for our mental health uh, and our physical health. It increases our concentration and memory. It helps our us to have a healthier immune system, reduces our stress levels, it improves our mood, our metabolism, and even our relationships, um, including uh, everything from, you know, our our creative minds and the things that we want to accomplish in our lives. So it's a really, really important component to living our best lives. it's the only, pretty much the only way to engage the part of our nervous system that um, allows for relaxation. So it's rest is literally just vital for the nervous system. Um, it also helps us to, um, you know, show up for others and for our own lives, like I mentioned, and it benefits the things that we do throughout the day. Um, Even recently, research has shown that um, when we actively rest, the body actually produces antioxidation and anti-inflammatory changes that helps reduce stress in the body. Practices like meditation and yoga, which we're familiar with, um, lowers heart rate, blood pressure, 
oxygen consumption and alleviates that hypertension that people often experience when they uh, go through chronic pain. Even things like insomnia, depression, um, something as big as cancer, even, even that, right? So there are so many um, important components to, to rest, active rest. And I will talk about what that actually means, um, what active rest looks like. But I, but I just want to first say that there's also spiritual benefits of resting, which are quite profound. I, I've, I know for me personally, uh, when I do slow down and when I do get quiet, that's when I can start to hear my inner wisdom. That's when I can start to tap into that inner knowledge, that part of me, you know, which I call the, the deeper, wiser self. It always comes when I'm resting actively, when I'm allowing myself to just slow down, to simply be and reconnect with the world around me and also within me. Mm. Um, so eases, you know, has this incredible ability to ease our lives and help us feel a sense of belonging. I, I, a lot of the clients that I talk to on a daily basis live from this state of fear, constant fear and this fight and flight, you know, afraid to let go of whatever it is, whether it's patterns of behavior or relationships or, or something, you know, that is no longer serving them, even a job, you know, a lifestyle, because there's a fear of um, being alone or there's a fear of not being capable or there's a fear of not being worthy. You know, there's just, we, we are constantly living and making decisions based on these deep-seated fears. And it's not until you can actually connect to this deeper, wiser self within you, within yourself, that you start to experience this sense of belonging, almost like I belong to this world. I belong to something beyond this fear, you know, this constant thinking mind. Does that make sense? It makes so much sense and it sounds so beautiful. I'm like already like Chesmith and rest more. <laughs> I'm like, maybe I need to schedule it in. Like you said, like it's got to be not like happenstance or just like, oh, like I'll, you know, just see how the day goes. Like, no, that needs to be scheduled in. Yes, we do. Yeah. We do need to schedule it in. Just like we schedule other things in, we have to schedule in active rest. And I will talk about that. But I first want to say that when we don't rest, what happens is that if it's left, you know, untreated long-term, um, I mean, long-term stress, if it's left untreated, uh, I, I'm sure you're familiar with this. It can cause a whole bunch of um, health-related issues from digestive issues, um, headaches, and, you know, migraines, um, anxiety, depression, um, reduced... Um, I guess, inability to focus, um, changes in sexual desire, um, not being able to, uh, I guess, function in that ideal, healthy way, you know, everything from um, feeling more irritated, feeling um, more frustrated and tense, 
Um, so there are several benefits to daily rests and relaxations. Besides reducing your stress levels and anxiety levels, you actually have, you know, your personality improves because you're in better mood. Um, your blood pressure decreases. You you don't experience the same level of chronic pain because there's chronic pain relief, you know. There's an improved immune health and a stronger cardiovascular system. So there are a lot of benefits to resting. I mean, people are focusing so much on their diets these days, and I'm like, it's not the food. <laughs> Focus on the rest. <laughs> Focus on the rest because it's not the food, right? As much as, of course, we are what we eat and diet is always important, the amount of attention that we're giving to food is really not necessary because we need to actually put that attention into the the rest that we, you know, that our bodies need. So, so yeah, that, that's kind of my, my two cents about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I do believe that. And it's, and like you said, we are where we eat, but there's also, I mean, there's such a huge, a huge component of the role that food plays on our bodies and our well-being is the emotional component and the emotional relationship with said food. Mm. So, yeah, so that goes deep in its whole Exactly. Whole own way. <laughs> That's right, because when you're not feeling, um, you know, I know for me, when I've had a stressful day and when I'm not feeling good, um, I want to nurture myself somehow, right? I want to, and, and what is the first thing that you do, um, kind of the first form of soothing method that we learn as babies? As soon as we cry, you know, our mothers usually put something in our mouths, right? It's just, mm. and so that's kind of what we have learned from a very young age that I need to eat something to soothe myself. I need to, you know, whether it's something sweet, which it often was, right? Um, I just need to eat something as a way to soothe, um, soothe and comfort myself. And I, 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 I know for me personally, that's been the case, you know, when I've had a pretty big day or I'm really exhausted at the end of a big week. I'm like, oh, okay, I want to treat myself to mm -hmm. something yummy. And so, you know, it could be, it's usually whatever. It could be anything from a burger and fries to ice cream. Like it doesn't matter. And and, I, and I'm, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that. I'm just saying that the reason to why people get more drawn towards eating that way is also because they're simply exhausted, mm -hmm. you know? It's a yeah. way, like you say, we develop this relationship with food, you know, it either becomes um, uh, our friend or our enemy, you know, we go, oh, I'm going to eat healthy all week. And then we just, whatever, kind of give in to all kinds of crazy things on the weekends, whether it's alcohol or whether it's, you know, fatty foods or it just and that extreme way of existing is not helping it doesn't help your body it doesn't help your mind and it certainly doesn't you know help your spirit so when you include rest and make it a part of your daily life just like you would with exercise just like you would with spending time with your friends or whatever it is that you do then you will start to notice the immense difference that it makes on everything from your mental clarity to the foods that you crave to how you treat yourself and other people, um, including your internal dialogue and self-talk. Because often when we're so exhausted and in that constant chronic state of stress, 
we get um, accustomed to it. We get used to it. And then we forget that there's another way of being, there's another way of existing that doesn't have to be so um, depleting and, you know, exhausting. Um, Because I do think we, we get used to things. I know for me, when I was dealing with you know, TMS pain uh, for so many years, um, I I got so accustomed to it, you know? It's almost like you just go, oh, well, that's just the way it is. And uh, it wasn't until I started to gain further insight into the nature of our bodies and our minds that I, that I realized my self-talk, the, the, the way that I think about life and myself all throughout the day, deeply impacts how my body feels and reacts the level of tension in my body so if i'm walking around constantly feeling agitated because you know i'm 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 experiencing pain and feeling like i hate this i don't want to go through this why is this happening to me feeling sorry for myself i'm literally contributing to the you know um to just that vicious cycle continuing on and on and on, right? Focusing on the pain as opposed to what's going on within me, focusing on the emotion, focusing on the self-talk. And all of this stuff, um, you know, in its root is based on the amount of stress that we have in our bodies and in our minds and the amount of rest that we've experienced in our lives. Because if you have had a stressful childhood and you've, if you were raised in a home and an environment where there was a lot of stress, your nervous system is literally going to get conditioned based on the level of stress that you experienced, yeah? Based on the people that are around you in that environment, your, your parents, how they, you know, experienced stress or how, how stressed they were, um, throughout your upbringing. Because I know for me, my parents were incredibly stressed. And so from a very young age, my nervous system got accustomed um, to that stress. It literally got wired to be very similar, you know, to just be incredibly reactive um, in a constant straight, a state of fight and flight, reactive to life. And so guess what? My body was tense from a very young age. I mean, I, I've shared this before where um, I experienced stomach-related issues and constipation even as a baby, you know? And it wasn't because of the food that I was eating. It, it wasn't because my mom tried everything. It was because of the level of tension and stress I felt based on the environment that I was in. Mm. So... When my clients say to me, I've tried everything and I'm still feeling pain. I've, I've, I've done everything you can imagine under the sun. And I say to them, all right, well, let's explore the level of rest, active rest that you experience on a day-to-day basis. And it's usually zero to none. It's just, it's, it's very, it's a very small percentage of how they spend their days. Wow. 
Yeah. And, you know, I think that is partly because we get confused about what rest actually means. Like, what is rest? What constitutes rest? You know, we have this idea that all these things that we call, like, oh, I'm just going to rest tonight, or I'm just going to stay in and relax tonight. And we have all these ideas of what constitutes that. But but what we end up choosing to do with that time is often actually not truly restful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So um, there's a really good TED talk um, on this topic. I really encourage everybody to watch it. It's by Sandra Dalton Smith. And she talks about um, seven different types of rest that our body needs. And um, I think it's really important that everyone's aware of uh, what that actually means. But before I, I, I talk about that further, I just want to answer your question. Um, what is what is active rest, right? Because yes, a lot of times people do confuse rest um, with recreation, doing things like hiking, watching movies, gardening, reading, uh, even things like, you know, having a couple of drinks or getting stoned or tipsy or whatever. Um, they any of these activities can only be termed restful because they're literally uh, giving you a break from work or giving you a break from responsibilities, but it's not considered active rest. Even things like uh, being on our phones, you know, some people think that's resting, watching TikTok videos or uh, videos on Facebook or whatever, especially because we're sitting down and we're scrolling and we're playing maybe games um, we're not doing anything else, but it's actually quite exhausting. We're absorbing um, the sensory input and our brain is quickly trying to process all of that. So it's not really resting. We might, we might even start to unconsciously compare ourselves um, with the people that we see on social media and experiencing negative feelings like envy, jealousy, um, you know, that sense of urgency. Oh, I've got to do that too. Um, and so none of this contributes towards rest. Right. We all, yeah. Wow. Can, can you resonate? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, and it's that too. It's like, also when you think about it, if somebody's just like, Oh, I'm going to go rest and they're sitting there scrolling, you're literally actually like mass creating massive stimulation into the brain, which mm. means that the brain, the body in, in one regard might seem to be resting because it's not, people can say, oh, it's not why I'm not doing anything, but the body is being affected every moment, moment by moment, based on what's happening in our, our brain and our minds. Mm. And so if you're just sitting there being bombarded with all this overstimulation, and like you said, it can bring on different emotions, but even if you don't have those emotions, it's still this, like your brain is working so hard to process all of this information that is coming in at such a rapid speed. Yes. And that's why I spend very limited time on social media. Um, even when it comes to my clinic and the work that I do, there's so much I could do on social media, but I just, I, um, I, I consciously don't engage. I just mm -hmm. kind of maybe post something once a week, maybe once every two weeks. I'm very mindful of where my energy goes on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah. Yeah. It's and I've important. had to be, you know, exactly. I've had to be, I've, I've gone through too much with regards to my health, um, physical and mental to no longer respect the importance of 
rest as well as um, where I put my energy, what I put my energy into. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, to even top on, like to add to that, like for you gave the example of like watching movies, Mm. it can feel that can feel like, oh, I'm going to go rest and watch a movie. And it's like, well, okay. Well, what if you pick out a movie that ends up being very adrenaline inducing? You know, it's like a thriller or an action movie and you're kind of on the edge of your seat and your body's literally like pumping cortisol because your adrenaline's running through you because, you know, you don't know what's going to happen next. And so all of that, what is actually happening behind the scenes in within your body is like so crazy when you really think about it. Yeah, even a drama, even a thriller. I mean, I've actually measured my heart rate when I've watched certain movies just to see what happens. And my heart rate is much higher when I'm engaged in something like Mm -hmm. um, a thriller, for example, or an action movie, like you say, or even a drama. You're not fully resting because your mind is engaged in what you're in, in something, right? In what you're doing. Right. Yeah. And so what we're looking for is ways to reduce that, reduce Mm -hmm. that kind of stimulation. Even when people think that we get rest from our sleep. Oh, I was just going to ask you about that. Literally. Yes. What do you say to that when they're like, oh, well, I get rest when I sleep or that's what sleep's for. Like what, what's your thoughts on that? Um, that's, it's actually interesting because if you don't have, um, a restful day, you're not going to have a restful sleep. So it won't be effective anyway. And I've, um, also experienced that on a personal level because, um, when you can't rest, when you're awake, your sleep isn't going to be restful. It just isn't. If your brain is in a constant stress state during, um, waking hours, then it loses or has lost connective pathways that tell it to decrease or stop the stress response. For instance, the stress hormone cortisol can actually be released during sleep. And that's why people wake up with, you know, grinding their teeth, TMJ. Sometimes they wake up with vertigo. Sometimes, I mean, I've been through all of that myself. Um, Sometimes they wake up and they all of a sudden have massive back pain, hip pain, and they keep thinking it's my mattress it's my posture, it's my, you know, whatever it is, I've been through all of it myself, you know, go to the physio, go to the Cairo, do this, do that, um, do yoga. But honestly, it's, it's because you're not um, relaxed enough throughout the day. Right, that makes so much sense. I mean, and yeah, like you said, there's people I have this happen. And I know this now, like I use my sleep as an indicator of like, a gauge of what's happening in my life and what do I need to shift? Because if my sleep is really good, I'm like, okay, I'm onto something. But suddenly if I'm waking up at two in the morning with like adrenaline coursing through my veins and I'm like, I wake up like wired, you know, it's like, well, Mm. okay, well, something's going on. This is information. Something's going on. I'm missing something. And that's such a good point. You bring up that like, if we're not getting the rest during the day, we're not, it's going to reflect in our sleep. Yeah. Because I mean, our brain is processing everything from that day. So. Yeah. Yeah. And if we go back to this whole, you know, ways that people confuse rest, you know, I mentioned, um, um, hiking or doing recreational stuff like watching movies or, you know, 
gardening or reading, any of these things are, are traditionally considered to be ways to, you know, rest and make time for yourself, right? Mm -hmm. And yes, there are ways to make time for yourself, but if you don't um, have or kind of make time for these smaller moments throughout the day regularly where you rest, that's when we fall into these binges, you know, binging in front of TV, binging on food, giving into whatever, an alcohol, um, smoking pot, what, any kind of binge, video games. And when we do that, it can also come, any binge comes with um, an amount of guilt and shame and other emotions that actually impact our ability to really relax. It's a lot more effective to build relaxation into your schedule regularly, like I said. So, you know, just doing that and then whatever activities you want to do on top of that, that's great. You can do that as well. There's not nothing wrong with, obviously, hiking is wonderful. It's great for you. It's exercise. It um, When you spend time in nature, you're actually also, you know, feeling more relaxed because you're in an environment that's beautiful and peaceful, but it's still not active rest. So I'm going to talk a bit about that now. Um, I want to go back to the TED Talk that I was referring to by Sandra Dalton-Smith. Um, she talks about the seven types of rest that our body needs, which I think um, is pretty spot on. I, I love that talk. Um, she talks about physical rest and that it can be either um, active or passive. So... Passive physical rest is when your body is actually sleeping. Yeah. And sometimes even maybe meditating, depending on the level of meditation. Um, and passive, passive, sorry, that's passive sleep. And then active sleep, sorry, active rest is when we're actually deciding to turn things off, you know, just go, you know what, I'm just going to sit here and focus on my breath, for example. So you can do both, passive or active, obviously, we've talked about that. And then mental rest, um, usually when people experience things like brain fog, I get that as well um, with clients who, who tell me that, you know, they just feel like they're so overwhelmed at times and they're experiencing quite, you know, brain fog on a frequent basis. That's because we're not allowing our brains any time off. It's just a constant go, go, go. And so even if you spend 15 minutes um, putting technology aside, putting everything else aside and just sitting down and maybe starting with just like um, journaling for a few minutes and, and then just putting out whatever comes to your mind and then just sitting for five to 10 minutes. And just kind of allowing whatever comes to come. And it's a form of meditation, of course, but it's still you're, you're observing and you're also focusing on just letting go. Especially when it comes to the level of um, interaction that you have with internet, social media, emails, you know, TV, just really disconnecting from everything. And we can do that throughout the day. I mean, I know for me, I do it you know, five minutes, sometimes 10 minutes, a couple of times throughout the day where I just, no matter what my mind is telling me, oh my God, that email has to be sent or, 
you know, this has to get done. I just go, no, I just literally put everything aside, sit down and just slow everything down, you know? Right. Um, so this is like, it could be like a form of meditation, but obviously like just one form out of so many different types of Yeah, there are so many types of meditation. Exactly. And so I don't want to say, I don't want to use the word meditation because some people are finding that triggering. It's like, oh, I I don't have time for meditation. I I can't make time. I'm not good at it. (laughs) Yeah. So I don't use that word anymore because I think it can be very triggering. And also there are so many levels of meditation. Um, Some people just listen to a guided meditation, which I think is great for just maybe relaxing, but I I still don't think it has the same effect that, then, you know, um, that just sitting down and breathing and just doing nothing has, Mm -hmm. because even when you're, you know, doing um, a guided meditation, you're listening to someone else. Right. Yes. There's something, yes, exactly. Versus just observing what's going on within yourself. Exactly. And, and some guided meditations, like, I don't know if you've encountered this, but I know there's sometimes where I'm just so exhausted that even the thought of doing certain guided meditations where they actually make you think about certain things, I'm like, oh, that sounds like way too much work. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, exactly. Exactly. Right. Like we, we add so <laughs> many methods and techniques and we just complicate things further. We really do. So I think the best thing is to just keep it simple. Um, You know, when I was referring, I didn't get a chance to finish the actual seven types of stress, um, rest, sorry. Um, So um, Sandra talks about physical rest, yeah, Mm -hmm. which I mentioned is either sleeping or um, resting, just sitting down, and that includes mental rest letting go of technology and just um, really giving yourself these five to 10 minutes lost throughout the day where you just, you know, shut everything off and just sit for a minute. Mm-hmm. Could you um, do this like outside and in nature, like maybe absolutely. in the middle of your hike? You can even combine that with some grounding exercises mm-hmm. where you sit um, on grass or sit by a beach and you just okay. listen to, you know, activate your senses. And that becomes also a mindful practice and like a mindfulness practice where you activate your hearing and, you know, what you can smell, what you can taste in your mouth, how your body feels in that space, you know, what you can touch or feel. So definitely you can combine okay. these. And um, you think that could be considered restorative rest still? Yes. Yes, okay. absolutely. Um, creative rest. So that is when you turn on music, turn on some music and sing or dance um, and get that creative, you know, your creative juices flowing. You might want to read a book, you know, uh, and just follow something that's inspiring, whether it's, you know, in a book or in a magazine, whatever it is. Any time that you spend enjoying the arts is important even beautifying your environment, like making your environment be beautiful and, you know, just pleasant. So that's creative rest. Um, And then emotional rest. Um, So she talks about for people who are yes people, you know, the people pleasers, which is very typical TMS personality trait, where you just struggle to say no, or you want to be that good person who helps everybody out. Um, and yet that's actually not very helpful. 
to to take a vacation from yes. So she recommends, you know, just especially for people who are in that care um, giving and caretaking roles, you know, teachers, um, even parent parents and um, nurses and doctors and therapists and you know just your emotional brain needs moments of pause. So even just saying, you know what, throughout the year, scheduling it in. Every year in um, whatever, February or March, I'm going to spend two weeks of not saying yes to anything or anyone or any invitations to anywhere. Literally giving, like setting that intention for yourself that I'm just going to take time off and just not getting involved in anything during those two weeks. Um, Even things like, so eliminating people-pleasing behavior um, and leaning into that authenticity, which I talk a lot about with my clients, being authentic. And that's a hard thing for people because they're like, what is being authentic? What does that even mean? Because a lot of who we are has, you know, been um, built around these different archetypes and behaviors that we have um, had around us, you know, those modeling behaviors of um, whether it could be people-pleasing behavior or whether it could be, you know, that victim mindset or rescuing um, other people or um, perfectionistic tendencies, whatever it is, right? So a lot of those things become a part of our personality, but that's not really who we are. So authenticity means that you learn about those parts of yourself that were just things that you unconsciously took on as a way to cope and as a way to survive life, as a way to receive love, attention, admiration, um, whatever it is, right? As a way to be a so-called good person or good enough. It doesn't mean that that's who you are. So if you feel like, hey, right now, I'm actually really tired and I don't really want to have this conversation with you, an authentic person would communicate that respectfully, of course, but they would still be honest about it and they wouldn't carry the responsibility of how the other person is going to feel when they hear that, right? Because that's that's what we do. We carry everybody else's emotions out of this fear of being rejected, out of this fear of being perceived a certain way. And, and that's what's exhausting us because mm-hmm. you're not responsible for someone else's emotions. You're responsible for your emotions. You're responsible for your triggers. You're responsible for how you communicate your needs, how you communicate um, your truth. But you're not responsible for what happens to the other person when you express your truth. That's something they've got to look at. That's something they need to... You know, if it becomes a trigger for them, that, that's something they need to actually take responsibility for. This is how we grow. This is how we become empowered. This is how we, um, you know, stop living from that place of fear and victimhood and, you know, taking on things that aren't really ours. And I'm referring to just uh, on an emotional, energetic level. Do you know what I mean, Chaz? I do. Yeah. And I want to ask a question kind of while we're continuing to go through these. Yeah. Are these, is the idea that 
I'm gathering the idea is not that we need to do all these kinds of rests every single day, but that at some point throughout our lives, we're incorporating these rests like in different time frames or because you were saying with the emotional rest, it might be like scheduling a two weeks in once a year or something like that. But do we, you know, do you feel like we need it all, all the time? Uh, of course not. It's, it's like, I think it's about finding balance for, for these things. It's a bit like, if you look at it this way, um, I'll give you another example that might make it, um, a bit more simplified. So if you look at the food platter, you know, that typical, you need to have a bit of fat, you need to have some carbs, you need to have some protein, you need to have, um, your veggies, right? Mm -hmm. It's kind of the same thing. We need to incorporate rest in these different areas of our lives. And if we're really struggling with certain things like that people-pleasing behavior, then it's a good idea to kind of give yourself those um, times off, you know, off duty and even letting everybody know, look, um, every month for that one weekend, I'm not available or every, you know, whatever, every three months, I take two weeks off to just really focus on myself as opposed to giving into all kinds of invitations and other people's needs and so on. And so the more we do that, the better we get at it. And so the, there's no need to necessarily schedule it in because you just know how to show up for yourself and that part of yourself on a day-to-day -day basis. But mm. in the beginning, it's difficult. So we have to schedule it in. Right. And so the idea is that there's these seven types of rest that we like that we do inherently need in our lives. But like anything else, we're some of them we might already be better at naturally and some we have to work a little bit more towards and schedule at first and be more mindful of in, in a way that we kind of craft and create a life that um, honors all seven types overall. Yeah, exactly. I mean, um, in terms of Sandra, Sandra's um, TED Talk, she her TED Talk was quite brief, and she talked about the seven types of rest, and I'm just mentioning them. But in, but when it comes to the whole scheduling it in and so on, that's just something that I've come to recognize in my own life as being really effective um, and just really helpful because just changing the people-pleasing behaviors all of a sudden after listening to a talk, for example, like this one, is not easy. So right. you need to, and also there's a lot of guilt that comes up with that. Um, and that's why it's important to, uh, to you know, to, to seek counseling and support around these issues. But when you schedule it in, then you're kind of saying, hey, everybody, this is what I'm doing for myself. And then you're practicing the boundaries around that. And you're also practicing showing up for yourself. And then once you get a taste of what that's like, then you're going to want to do it more often. Right. Because you're going right. to see how beneficial it is and how good it feels. And you probably right. will also see how uncomfortable it can feel. Because if you're not used <laughs> to, you know, having time for yourself and resting, you, you're just going to, you know, you're going to feel really uncomfortable. I mean, most people, when they first start this whole practice of incorporating more rest in their lives, they, they feel really restless and, and uncomfortable and, um, you know, um, just on the edge in some ways, you know, kind of um, not really at ease with their own company. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, you know, I would say something too that I notice it <laughs> is what happens even when we're in like, say we have chronic pain or chronic illness and then we're in the healing community and we find different programs or different tools or different modalities that support our healing journey. I know personally that what has happened for me is that I find it very hard to just sit, to just be, to just do nothing because the minute that I have that free time, I have the this weight on my shoulders and all these shoulds show up in my mind that are like, oh, well, you should do a visualization or, oh, you should do an EFT tapping session or, oh, you should <laughs> journal for 15 minutes. And so even we take these beautiful tools that are designed to help us, uh, you know, to assist our healing and we make that all about productivity and needing to fill all of our time with those things still yeah disregarding the benefits of purely just being. Yes, I know exactly <laughs> what you mean. Um, you know, I, I'm in kind of, I, I have that entrepreneurial um, mindset as well as, uh, you know, TMS personality traits, um, uh, very much that type A personality that um, has always been about go, go, go and achieving things. But uh, since I've become aware of that part of myself, I've actively focused on just reducing that. You know, there's so many courses that I get emailed about, um, so many things that I could do to advance um, my, everything from my qualifications to my business. But I've personally chosen to just you know, take it easier, slow and steady wins the race. And that's kind of how I, how I go about it now. Cause I think what's the rush, this sense of urgency is not making me a better person. I don't feel that I am just because I have more, you know, qualifications. I mean, in terms of just, uh, whatever it is, you know, just, uh, professionally advancing and even having money, more money come in. It doesn't make me bring in the same quality of care that I would like to bring into my sessions with clients, as well as in my own life and the relationship I have with myself. It just makes me a more stressed out, ego-driven person. Right. So I really am mindful of that because I, I think, yes, when you're sitting still and your mind goes on and on about everything you need to do, then that's when you have to bring in the compassion and just look at it like a little child and just be like, that's okay. It's okay to worry. It's okay to want more. It's okay to stress about things. That's absolutely okay. But let's just sit here together. We can sit here together. I'm with you. And that's when I put my hand on my heart. And yes, for some people, this stuff is airy fairy, but I don't I don't feel that like for me, when I started this practice of just putting my hand on my heart and just going, I'm here and, and just let just this be enough. Let this be enough of just me and you. And I'm talking to my brain here or my inner child, my ego, whatever you want to call it, right? This part of me that's, that's uneasy. And I'm just putting my hand on my heart and I'm just saying, I'm here. I'm with you. Let this be enough. We're enough. We are enough. Just right now, we are enough. Because that's the thing. This constant 
more, 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 you know, giving into every thought and desire that we have comes from a place of unworthiness. Right. I'm not enough. I need to have a PhD. I need to have this. I need to have that. I need to, whatever it is, I need to reach more people. I need to expand. I need to create courses. I need to, and yes, maybe one day those things will happen for me. Right. And I will do that. But for now, what I'm doing is enough. It has to be enough because otherwise we end up losing our balance. We end up getting caught up in this, again, this cycle, you know, the, 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 I guess the culture that we have around urgency, productivity, achievements, and, you know, we're not being authentic. We're not being truthful. We're just saying something, but we're not really walking our talk. And I've seen a lot of people do that. They preach something, but when it comes to their own lives, they don't actually walk it, you know, mm-hmm. they don't walk their talk. So, uh, and, and you know how in the beginning of our talk, I, 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 t- you know, I referred to building that trusting relationship with life. Mm-hmm. That's what it comes down to knowing that, you know, feeling that sense of belonging to something beyond this, um, mind made, I guess these mind made narratives and knowing that, you know, when the time is right, I will have enough support to perhaps go to the next step with whatever I need to do in my business or whatever I need to do in my life. But when I'm pushing and forcing and trying and to make things happen and hustling and hustling and gosh, do, do we not, um, you know, reward people who do that. We really do, don't we? I mean, it's like, if you're hustling, you're awesome. That's kind of, (laughs) that's how it usually is. And, and yet at what price? That's what you got to weigh up. Right. What's the payoff? Yeah. Yeah? Right. And, and, um, and like, hustling and then we're also I mean there's just so many it goes so deep because we're taught so many things like oh you have to really work hard for it you need to go out there and make it happen like there's all these these beliefs that were that are ingrained into us Mm. yes you know it should be hard but Um, you know it's all a choice at the end of the day everything that we're sharing here is just to bring awareness to people and then it's it's up to them you know it's up to the individual to choose what feels right for them that's really what it comes down to um, I'm not saying that this way is the right way. All I'm sharing is my experience of having worked with people with chronic pain and all kinds of health-related issues, mental and physical, for over a decade. And I can see, even in my own personal life of having gone through it for 20 years, I can see that the way that we live right now on a global scale, the the culture that we have around who we think we have to be and what we think we need to do is no longer serving us. It just Mm -hmm. isn't. It isn't benefiting our health. Um, So just to finish off, um, I just want to kind of finish that off without leaving it halfway with regards to Sandra's um, seven types of rest. Um, She also talked about sensory rest. So, you know, like looking around for a second okay, how many lights are on um, in this room? Maybe I've got too many lights on, you know, just whatever it is, like noticing when your senses are being overwhelmed by tons of stimulation all day long, you know, just checking in and becoming aware 
maybe maybe I'm just exposing my mind and my my eyesight to too many things, you know? Maybe I need to just shut a couple of these things off. Um, I know a good one. Yeah, just even using cozy lights at night. Um, I usually love putting on some soft piano music in the background. Just things that can help you reduce that sensory overload. And then she talks about social rest. So really making time for friends who are not just about getting advice from you, getting help from you, offloading their problems on you, but just want to enjoy the moment with you. You know, just sit and enjoy a beautiful view together and have a cup of tea and have a few laughs, you know. And yes, people do often talk about their problems with each other, but even just kind of going, you know what, let's just be here now and reminding each other that it's not just about the problems. It's also yeah. about moments and the time we're spending together and maybe playing some games. So that social rest is important. Um, and then spiritual rest. You know, again, goes back to uh, meditation, but also if you want to join a, a community, a spiritual center of some sort, a church or, you know, volunteering perhaps at a, at a soup kitchen or at somewhere, you know, just engaging yourself in something greater than yourself. Prayer, you know, community, purpose. So I like these seven um, types of rest that she mentions. And... I'm a bit conscious of time, Shez, so you let me know how much time we've got. Um, uh, we're good right now for whatever, for, wh okay. for what you're good for. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I just wanted to also lastly talk about how, you know, how we can achieve the rest. And I know we've already touched on that, but just a couple of more points um, about this. Um, getting, getting curious about why you're not resting is important the thoughts and the feelings that are driving your need to stay busy, you know, really looking beneath the surface. What is it that's stopping me from resting? What is it that's making me get really, you know, um, just feel restless and unable to even sit with myself. And this is where, therapy and counseling comes in and psychotherapy is really good for this because then you can just explore this with someone else but even through journaling self-reflecting um and then also understanding um obviously the power of rest which we've talked about today because apparently 70 percent of people who visit the doctor or even more 70 to 80 percent um they visit the doctor due to stress-related health issues can you believe that? Yeah. And I've even heard statistics higher than that, which is so crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Like go. it's just, it's just, it's such a testament to how incredibly important <laughs> it is to manage that stress level. It is the only way. So rest is the only way to mm -hmm. engage the part of our, our nervous system that allows for relaxation. It's, it's through rest. If you think of even you know, in certain traditions that go back centuries from Hindu and Buddhism and so on, it's always um, at its core, it's always around rest, meditation, sitting in silence. 
I mean, I don't know that much about those traditions, but what I know so far is that that's a big part of what they do. Yeah. And, and that's why, you know, understanding the power of rest can act as a motivation for perhaps helping you change some of the current patterns that you have. Yeah, that's a good point. I, you know what I saw the other day, literally just the other day was like, I guess it would be like a meme. And Mm -hmm. it was, it was saying how, like, it was giving this really good example of how there's, there could be somebody who does actually have a lot of stress in their body, in their minds, in their life, but it's become so ingrained and so a part of them, like it's all they know that they don't even know it's stress. Like they're like, oh, I'm not stressed. I'm not stressed. But they think they're not stressed because they don't even know what to associate as stress. Like they don't even realize the what the feeling or the association or the, like the underlying factors are. And yeah. that's like a thing. And that's so It is crazy. a thing. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mm-hmm. see it, you know, I yep. work with people every day. I see it. And, and I've, you know, there, some people are going through horrific things, you know, to the point mm-hmm. where they can't even go to the bathroom. They need a procedure for that because it's become so chronic um, in their mind, in their body, that state of, you know, stress and the body being in the constant feeling of, you know, just in that constant state of threat in many ways, um, that it becomes normal for them to go to the doctor and get a procedure done or have, um, take medication for whatever they're going through. And yes, we do need that. If, if, If we're kind of stuck and there's no way out, we do need to do that. But, um, my point is that it's not going to get better until we realize the power of rest, like, right realize that wait a minute what i'm doing right now is actually not a good thing and that can be very confronting that can make people incredibly uncomfortable i've had people yeah. literally say you know what i'm i'm not going to continue because i'm just counseling and therapy because they're so confronted by what they see about themselves yeah yeah and i and i've said to them that's okay maybe you're not ready yet you know maybe the timing is off and maybe you just have to sit with that shock for a minute, you know? Um, but being confronted with what's no longer working for you is actually a gift. I always say to people, it's a gift. It's wonderful. Cause now you finally know that this is not working so you can stop doing it. You can start, you know, moving towards a different direction a direction that will eventually work. Yes, it might take five years, it might take 10 years, it might take the rest of your life, but it's gonna you know, really benefit you. It's gonna start to shift things in your body. Yeah. So, you know, understanding the power of rest is important and then rethinking the narratives by practicing acceptance. So. What I mean by that is that, you know, you're not a robot. You can't do everything at once. Um, Some things will simply not get done. It's just, you know, a fact. And practicing acceptance is really important around that. Accepting things as they are. Um, Because it can help you temper your stress and give yourself that mental space to rest. You know, reminding yourself that um, I didn't expect this but it happened and I accept it. 
Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. yeah. And, and then also, like, you said, oh, just acknowledging and accepting that, like, some things won't get done. And, like, knowing that does not define your worth and that doesn't affect your, you know, any, it, like, it's not an impact on whether or not you're, you're good enough still. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Your sense of worth is not based on how much you get done. Everybody out there listening, please remember this. Your sense of worth is not based around how much you get done. It doesn't define how good you are, how smart you are, how capable you are. It doesn't define who you are. It doesn't even define your worthiness, how much love you deserve to receive. Yes. Thank you for saying that. That's so good. <laughs> so Because these are all universal beliefs, right? It doesn't matter. It, I've worked with people from all walks of life. These are universal beliefs. Right. Um, and if we look at even the way that we raise children, it's also pretty universal. In majority of cultures, children are raised, you know, based on how good they are, what right. they do for the parent. Mm-hmm how much they can make the parent feel better mm-hmm. or how they can soothe the parent or help the parent feel good about their themselves or their parenting. Right. Yeah. And, and good so girl, good boy. Exactly. And so we are all, uh, raised kind of become into this world as these perfect beings, you know, and then get subjected to all of this, you know, all of these lies and falsehood about ourselves and who we are. Right. And if you think about it, babies are so innocent. Children are so innocent. They've got nowhere else to go. Their parents are their everything. Their caretakers are their everything. They don't have the same choices that we have as adults. You know, so they take in everything based on their environment. And their focus is very much around survival. And what is survival? It's not just food and shelter. It's love. It's connection. It's a sense of belonging. That's what we all want. Yes. So we end up doing everything to have it. Right. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I mean, even you look at social media these days, the, the constant, you know, um, need for attention, the constant need for uh, likes and approval and expanding whatever they're doing, their business. And nothing's happening in the same organic way anymore. People are forcing things. They want to push things to happen. You know, everybody wants to be the next Kardashian. (laughs) (laughs) I know. It sounds exhausting. (laughs) Yes. God. Um, Okay, Sarah. So what do you... Like, what would you say to somebody who maybe this concept of rest is new, new for them? Like, what's a good starting point for someone? Like, how much is a good amount of time for them to dedicate to rest? Or how will they know what's like some insight into how they would know what type of rest they really need right now that would support them? Okay. Um, I think it's important to find um, some techniques that work for you. So, um, even just starting with some active, um, restful practices, like, 
you know, yoga, and I'm referring to slow yoga, like, you know, just a Hatha yoga, not necessarily power yoga, um, or Ashtanga yoga, which is pretty intense. I'm talking about just restorative yoga, um, taking walks outside without listening to anything and just like focusing on what you can hear, what you can see, you know, just your breathing, the steps that you're taking, taking baths is really great. I've said that before. Um, I've said this to my clients, baths are amazing for just helping your nervous system to just really calm down and planning out like a little daily routine so that you can find consistent time to rest. So maybe you can take a relaxing bath before bed, you know, or maybe you can just practice a few minutes of sitting and breathing every morning before you go out and, you know, go to work, or maybe during your lunch break, you go and sit somewhere where there's nobody else around and you just sit down and you just, you know, focus on your breath, really focus on connecting your mind and your body and just, just taking a few minutes, you know, you can even set a timer on your phone. And I've even said to clients, some clients that I do this, I've done it myself. You can even do it in your car just before you walk into your workplace, before you walk in, walk home, you know, into your house after your work day, just sit for five minutes and just breathe to the point where you actually notice your body's relaxed, not just to get it done, not just to tick it off, literally notice, oh, wow, I'm so relaxed right now. Like I can feel that there's, there's a sense of easing into the chair that you're sitting in or easing into the bed that you're lying on, or, you know, just, there isn't that sense of urgency there anymore. It's almost like your mind has calm down just enough for it to be, you know, for it to just give in, mm -hmm. for it to just give in to you in that moment. Initially, again, I want to just, you know, highlight that initially it can be difficult for people who've never really done these practices and they're new to all of this. Initially, you will feel a bit more restless but if you can just sit through that discomfort that initial discomfort i promise you you're gonna benefit from what comes next you're really gonna absolutely love it so it's like anything you know you don't go to the gym expecting yourself to feel wonderful from that first session even after a week after two weeks you know it takes time and even once you've you know, you've reached a point in your fitness where you're like, you know, you've got, you reached exactly what you want, you know, the place where you want to be. You still have to maintain that, right? You don't just stop going because if you do, yes. you're going to lose that, right? It's the yes. same thing with everything in life, including with rest. If you know how important it is, you will make time for it. It's just like if you know how important it is for you to eat regular meals, you'll make time for it. We're not victims of our circumstances. We are choice makers. And it's so, so important to bear that in mind, no matter what your life challenges may be, you can always afford to make time for a few minutes of rest throughout your day, where you do nothing, where you are you know, solely with yourself, 
And then in time, you'll come to recognize that, hey, I am enough. Just me being here, breathing, not trying to accomplish and do something is enough. You know, and, and that's kind of how I recognize that I don't need to push hard. I don't need to kill myself in the gym or I can go and exercise in ways that brings me joy and pleasure. So you can actually combine some of the activities, um, whether it's creativity and exercise or, you know, fun and pleasure with some kind of exercise, right? So you realize that there's things that you're doing in your day-to-day -day life that is all just to play this role, you know, to carry this mask that becomes heavier and heavier of who you think you have to be, what you think you need to look like, what you think you need to have in order to pretty much, you know, be able, like stay on top of things, to be worthy, to, um, to be good. Right. Mm, so does that this. answer your question, Shaz? Um, it does. It does. Yeah. yeah. I just wanted to give some people who are listening some practical, you know, ways that they could integrate it into their life. And I'm all about small little steps. Like I do, I, I love doing small action steps because I'm all about people creating a goal that they can accomplish so that they can win and so that they can teach themselves that they can be relied upon and then they can build on that. So I like how you just give some practical, like, Hey, it just can be a few minutes before you walk into work or few minutes in your car before you walk in your house after work like this doesn't we're not saying you have to instantly go take four hours and like go into a deep meditation every day it's just like little moments integrating little moments of this rest and finding that inner ease um, yes go a long way. or even and when you're having lunch um, at work try to not do it with scrolling on your phone or reading a book just become more mindful of what you're doing and then go outside and sit and just you know, if it's rainy or if it's snowy, wherever you are, then you don't need to go outside. You can just go anywhere and just sit for a moment, you know, just mm -hmm. um, make time to pause. And, you know, we make time to eat every day. We make time to take our kids to school or run errands or go to work. Why should rest be any different? Right. So I really agree. Yeah, it's kind of like, hey, just include it in your day, like brushing your teeth. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, I have a hammock. I love my hammock and I usually, um, you know, just make sure I spend some time in that hammock and I just relax and I watch the clouds. Um, when I was working in an office environment, then I would actually go outside and I would just, even though my colleagues would always have lunch together, I would always be like, no guys, I'm just going to take time to just, you know, recharge, mm -hmm. just recharge. And Yes, every now and again, I would have lunch with them. But I realized that, you know what, I have a job where I'm sitting all day, and then I'm going to sit and again, continue to talk with colleagues, even though I talk to clients all day. I just need something else. I need something that helps me feel recharged. This is not about being um, not being social, you know, it, it's about being selective about when you do things, mm -hmm. and being mindful of what your body needs. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just remembering that just reiterating again, like we've both said multiple times that rest, it just, just despite the culture we live in that praises being productive, being busy, being type a, like mm. that rest is okay. 
you're worthy of rest. And it does not, taking time to rest doesn't make you less than in any capacity. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. And this will also improve your relationships. Yeah. Because yeah. this is when you, you know, learn to um, make time for rest, you become better at implementing boundaries. You mm -hmm. eventually learn how to be more truthful and lean into that authenticity. You know, you yeah. start to share the hard things that often go unsaid, perhaps, you know, there's so many benefits that come with rest. We just have to give it a bit of time. You know, it, it's like, because when you go to gym, to the gym, for example, I'm just using that because it's a good example. There's that sensory overload again. So you're, you're engaged, right? Even though it's not comfortable as you begin it to, you know, that whole um, routine, you're still very engaged, but with rest, the only challenge there is that you're actually not um, overloaded by, you know, um, distractions or whatever. There's no sensory overload. You're actually doing the opposite thing. You're literally shutting that down by just sitting with yourself. And most people want to run away from themselves. They don't want to be with themselves. Mm -hmm. But once you start this whole journey towards becoming or like bef befriending yourself and becoming more aware of yourself, then those frightening aspects of yourself don't become so scary anymore. You won't right. try and suppress um, a lot of what you feel or you don't project a lot of what you feel or, you know, you don't run away from it. You don't mask it. You, you, you actually start the journey of fully discovering what it means to love yourself unconditionally, what it means to have compassion for yourself. And that is a gift. Yeah. 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 It I sure like that is. you said that because it, it is, there's always something beautiful on the other side. So if we can just sit and observe and notice the resistance and notice where that resistance comes from, there's so much learning there. Yes. I, I want to leave you guys with one sentence. I always say this to myself. I am willing to sit with discomfort. I am willing to sit with discomfort. Because then I'm telling my mind, I am choosing this. I'm not a victim of this discomfort. I am choosing this. And so I actually, my mind literally lets go of the resistance and I surrender into it. Mm. I am I like that. to sit in discomfort. I really like that. I um I heard from another another person who was a previous guest on my show. She says um to like just breathe and say to yourself, I am here in this now. It's like whatever it is, like I'm here with it. I'm here in this. It's okay. Yeah. 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 We want everyone to show up for us. We want the world to show up for us. Deep down from you know, inside most people, there is that willing there's that need to be seen. Um, to be heard, right? Mm -hmm. But how can we expect that if we don't show up for ourselves, if, if we don't see and hear ourselves first? Totally. So true. <laughs> so true. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And this is one way that we can begin to do that for ourselves. Yeah. Rest. So we need to rest 
I'm going to be listening, rest more with me. <laughs> I, I actually always say that, you know, even like in the meditation sessions that I run my clients through or the relaxation exercises, I always say, um, I give myself permission to rest. I love to rest. It feels good to rest. And it just, just repeating that in my mind and even like, you know, encouraging clients to do the same. I see it like they just really relax into that moment and they're like, oh, yes, oh, it does yeah, feel good to that. rest. Yeah, well, I think it does. It, it probably ultimately really does for so many, all of us, except for, you know, well, one, I think you get the, the people who there's resistance because of whatever thoughts or feelings might come up if they hold still, but then you have the people who genuinely feel like guilty, you know, or like ashamed of themselves for wanting or needing or craving it. Mm. So they just, you know, cause their worth is so tied into still the old mindset of I am worthy by what I produce, by what I do, by who, you know, like what I get done. So it's just, it kind of goes both ways. The guilt only comes on. And I just want to say this briefly, cause I, I know a lot of people experience guilt. The, the guilt only comes on because of lack of boundaries, poor boundaries lead to these feelings of guilt. Mm -hmm. Totally. Once yeah. you realize you're not responsible for how other people interpret something that you need for yourself, then you won't feel guilty anymore. Once oh, you own your decisions around what you need for yourself, you own it, mm -hmm. then you're not going to, you know, feel guilty anymore. Yeah. Cause yeah. then that's you know, a process. Yeah, it is a yeah. process. Cause Definitely. I used to know what boundaries were and I've been working on them really hard. And I know that when I first started trying to, you know, set them, it, it came with a lot of guilt and, the more that I stood in that truth and continue to honor them, the less and less and less I feel the guilt to the point where now I might feel like I might feel bad for like a split second, but then I'm so proud of myself. And so like my whole like inner child is just like, thank you. The minute I hold my like truth and hold that boundary. <laughs> like, yes. thank you so much. <laughs> it's very empowering, isn't it? Yeah, and you know, we yeah. don't need to, we can communicate it in a loving way, you know? Yes. So for example, yeah. just the other day I said to my mom, um, this, she, she, she sent me some messages about some family related, um, issues and problems. And I said, what you have to say is important for me, but I'm actually quite busy at this point in my life. And I will get back to you when I can, I love yeah. you. And I'm thinking of you. I didn't jump in to save her. I didn't jump in to rescue her from her feelings. I didn't, you know, feel a sense of guilt because I actually knew like, it's, it's like by doing that in that moment, I'm saying, I believe in your strength enough not mm -hmm. to try and save you. Cause I know yes. how strong you are. I believe in you. I believe you can get through this. I believe you can sit with this discomfort. I believe that it's okay. You know, you don't okay. need me to feel better, but I'm also letting you know that this is important for me too. I am here for you, but I'm not going to sacrifice myself in order to, you know, or my needs or what it is that I'm doing for myself right now to jump in and save you. And for some people that's like, what? That's so selfish. We're talking about your mother here. But I actually have built a, an incredibly empowering relationship with my mother 
because of these boundaries. Mm. We have a relationship today that we have never, ever had. So I do believe in the power of authenticity, in the power of boundaries. I do believe that as much as it's uncomfortable in the beginning, mm-hmm. it will lead to better things. It will yes. actually empower everyone involved. Yeah. But if you're yeah, wanting to please everybody, if you want everybody to love you, then guess what? You're going to be a slave to their emotion and needs forever. And then you're still never going to have everybody love you. No. And, and, not, <laughs> and no one's going to benefit from that because those codependent relationships continue forever. Yeah, I know it's so true. Because when you um, stand in your truth and you start to honor your boundaries, like, yes, you might butt up against some resistance initially. But when we do stand in our truth and when we do honor our authenticity, we really, what we're doing is we're showing up and we are giving the other person permission to do the same. Yes. Even if it takes a while for them to catch on to it. But like, that's what you're doing is you're creating this this environment that says, I give you permission to also honor your truth right now. Exactly. And we can do this with children as well. You know, Um, it's hard to be a parent, especially to young children who are always, you know, interrupting or needing your attention for something, but you can actually help them and you can include them in these practices. You can actually Mm -hmm. say, okay, it's rest time and you can just sit with them and just close your eyes and whatever happens you just remain in your center you know and hold that space and you do it consistently where you just sit and you breathe with them or you might just say you know what we're just we're just going to sit for a moment and and just relax and then we get up and we get on with whatever we were doing or you can actually say to them this what you have to tell me is really important you are very important for me and to me but right now, I'm just going to need this time to rest. Yeah, mommy's just or daddy's just going to need to take this time out. And I will come to you as soon as this finishes. So you're actually teaching children about boundaries. You're helping them to implement, you know, boundaries with other people. Right. Which I think is so important. I mean, why is it that we don't know about boundaries? It's because we don't learn it at a young age. No one demonstrates it in a loving way to us, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah, I feel, yes, it's like, so it's just, it's changing the trajectory for the next generations for sure. (laughs) Yeah. For the listeners out there who really resonate with your message and maybe want to connect with you, you could share a little bit about what you've been up to lately and how people can connect with you. Okay, so... Um, for those of you who don't know me, I'm a mental health um, social worker and um, a psychotherapist based in Brisbane, Australia. I work with people who have TMS and chronic pain-related issues, um, including uh, working on their traumas and trauma recovery is a big part of my work. Um, I work both online and uh, face-to-face with clients. And if you want to get in contact with me, you can visit uh, my website, which is mentalawakening.com.au. So that's mentalawakening.com.au. Okay. And you are on um, Instagram. Yes, that's right. I'm on Instagram as well, which is again under mentalawakeningau for Australia. And I also have a personal Instagram page, which is Sarah DK Art. 
um, because I do a lot of art (laughs) and um, I'm an art therapist and an artist. So yeah, people can reach me through, whether through email, uh, which they can find on my website or on social media. Awesome. Okay. And I'll, you know, like always, I'll include the links in the show notes for sure. And um, yeah, and I just wanted to say thank you so much for being with me for round two and having this beautiful conversation about something that is so valuable and so important for us and sharing it in a really beautiful way. Thank you so much, Shaz. I'm really grateful for the work that you do and for basically creating these opportunities where we can talk about these kind of topics and bring more awareness to um, yeah, some of these important practices um, that are a big part of, I guess, this journey towards health and well-being and living an authentic life. So thank you so much. that's a wrap you guys as always i hope you enjoyed don't forget to subscribe to my channel so that you can get the latest episode release ready to listen the day it comes out also connect with sarah you will find all the links you need in the show notes and remember to take time for yourself this week and to rest 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 and until next time create a great week i'm your host chasmith